So The Matrix 1, it came out in like 1999, right? Yes. It's ridiculously overly huge cultural impact. I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. Like the shot where she floats up in the air and kicks the policeman in the face. It's been done so many times. One of the first shots of the movie and it changed everything forever. Mm -hmm. It's the entire reason why Wesker can run on walls once you get to Code Veronica. (laughs) Dude, as I think will be most people's most iconic thing they think of when they think of what was influenced by the Matrix. It's literally the entire reason that Claire drops her gun and then falls down, grabs it and shoots those umbrella (laughs) agents. It had just a massive impact on season four of Angel. (laughs) If you listen to like some interviews that Joss Whedon did back in the day. He saw The Matrix. He's like, yeah, I think most things should be like The Matrix. (laughs) And and like season four of Angel becomes very Matrixy. Like So 2000. Wesley, when they're fighting like whatever the beast, it just comes out with like slow motion shotgun blast Mm and drops his shotgun, pulls out two pistols Mm -hmm. and just (laughs) slow motion shooting him. Dude, why are we talking about this? We've got hours of Matrix content yes. to record. So, Zorvald, what are we talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about The Matrix. Specifically, we'll be focusing on The Matrix 1 and its shared universe connections with Total Recall. The original uh, 1990 yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Paul Verhoeven, <laughs> the iconic Total Recall, which I honestly believe had... Maybe not quite the same, but almost equal impact on Hollywood as The Matrix. Certainly had quite a big impact on The Matrix. (laughs) Yeah, it did, (laughs) as we'll talk about. (laughs) The theory there is that Total Recall is set in the universe of The Matrix. Quaid, the main character of Total Recall, is in The Matrix. And that's why all these crazy things are going on. (laughs) I was going to say, I think maybe The Matrix is best enjoyed when you don't overthink it. But we're going to be spending the next two hours overthinking (laughs) it. That is the opposite of our slogan. (laughs) Dude, that should be a slogan. We should always sign off by saying movies are best enjoyed when you don't overthink them. So we'll overthink them for you. I'd like to kind of walk us through everything in Total Recall and in The Matrix that makes me believe that they're in a shared universe. First, I got to ask you, (laughs) who would win in a fight, Pepsi or Coca-Cola? I mean, I think Coca-Cola gets people probably drink it more, but Pepsi did that who wants to be a billionaire thing. (laughs) Whoa. So there's a lot of product placement in this film and a lot of Coca-Cola and Pepsi. But it's interesting because canonically in universe, Coca-Cola has won the war for corporate domination on Earth and is the only soft drink that you'll see advertisements for on Earth. However, Pepsi, on the other hand, has won corporate domination on Mars in Total Recall and is the only soft drink that you'll see advertisements on Mars. Watch it again and and look for Pepsi and Coca-Cola logos. Sounds like a good use of my time. (laughs) Yeah, dude, watch it again. (laughs) With this theory in mind, it's important to note that a main tenant of the Matrix series is that humans can leave the Matrix, but they have to want to leave. Sure. When the humans who are outside of the Matrix, when they red pill someone, which is extracting that person from the Matrix, they need that person to want to leave the Matrix and return to reality. If that person doesn't want to leave the Matrix, it won't work. Well, speaking of pills, we should at least address one of the most popular Matrix fan theories, That the blue pill would have just killed Neo. The opening lines of the movie, Cypher is talking to Trinity. 
Trinity and Cypher are basically just watching Neo being creeps and talking about him. And then Cypher says, we're going to kill him. You understand that? Basically, they're saying that we're going to try to extract him. And Cypher makes it clear that he thinks Neo will resist extraction. And if he doesn't choose to leave the Matrix, he's going to take the blue pill and they're going to kill him. That's that's what they're saying. Okay, that makes sense. Talking about Total Recall, we got to remember that Neo got out of the Matrix. Right. Quaid Quaid does not not. get out of the Matrix. (laughs) Nope. So, and we're seeing his perspective um, where everything is made to make sense to him within the Matrix by the agents. The movie starts out with Quaid waking up from a dream of Mars. And as he wakes up, he's surrounded by news stories, specifically stories of terrorists on Mars and agents hunting them down. What does this sound like to you? Yes. (laughs) This sounds like Neo waking up at the beginning of the Matrix, surrounded by news stories about terrorists and agents hunting them down. Terrorists named Morpheus. Yeah, (laughs) sounds pretty similar. The rebels are actively working on Quaid already at the beginning of this movie, just like they were actively working on Neo. Our history with this movie is that our dad, for some reason, showed us Total Recall a lot as kids. And he had edited it so that a lot of the bloody parts were gone. Like, it, like there are a lot of parts that we never saw, like the guy getting stepped on off the escalator. When he shoots the doctor and spits out the pill, that part was gone. Yeah. Our dad just told us, oh, yeah, he spit out the pill. <laughs> and that's how we knew. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. But dude, I loved it. I mean. <laughs> the very beginning when his mask breaks open and he's on Mars, he's dreaming, his eyes start popping out of his head. Mm-hmm. I remember that sequence being a lot longer. Me too. And also his eyes come out as like long white snakes. <laughs> okay, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember them like kind of straight stretching out really long from his face, not just kind of bugging out like they do. Obviously, (laughs) I just imagined that. But I also know that dad would usually skip that part in the movie. Maybe he told us, oh, yeah, his eyes come out. Right, exactly. His eyes come out (laughs) like snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So anyway, when I saw it and it was just like less than half a second shot of his eyes just bugging out, I was like, oh, huh, that's That's not not what I remember at all. And then so, yeah, when Quaid wakes up and his reaction to all the turmoil on Mars, it's a terrorist war zone. He and turns like, to his I wife. I go to Mars. No, but he says it as though it's a romantic idea. Uh-huh. He's like, let's do it. Let's, let's move to, to Mars. Mars. <laughs> as though they were both thinking that while watching you know, the news. I love Quaid's character. It perfectly mirrors Neo's attitude regarding all this. Basically, he sees all these articles and he's like, oh, let's do it. Let's find Morpheus. You know, if his computer talks to him, he'll just do whatever it says to find Morpheus. (laughs) Him and Quaid are very single-minded in going towards disaster rather than away from it. Right. And it's because they both know that they're in a simulation. They want to get out. The difference being that Neo is kind of an average Joe hacker and Quaid is kind of supposed to be like everyone treats him as though he is an average Joe. But then you look at him, you're like, he's just massive. He's he's clearly written as an everyman, right? Like he was clearly written as just this normal guy. At no point evidenced more than when he goes to work and is chatting with his middle aged (laughs) giant fat co-worker. You know, just him with his ridiculous (laughs) Olympian body talking to this New Yorker. Just like... (laughs) 
<laughs> seeing him next to his friend with those big biceps. And his I friend's know. just like, oh yeah, don't do it. They'll lobotomize you at recall. He's like, oh And yeah, he's huh. this massive German like, <laughs> yes, I think I will go and get a total recall memory. And he's like, yo, what are you talking about? Don't go to get a memory. What are you doing? <laughs> Why would his friend attack him later? Of course he's gonna kill you. <laughs> no, seriously. Why his would this guy he's like, chance. yeah, I think I'm a match for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm pretty sure I can take him. No, you're a middle-aged portly <laughs> Even man. Even if you have four friends. <laughs> Clearly, it could have just been sort of a suspense, mystery, thriller, mind-bender. But At they some cast point, him. Arnold got cast and it turned <laughs> and into... And he changed just the whole thing. One of the greatest, like, 80s, 90s action films ever made. <laughs> it's great, but uh, it's not all Arnold's fault. I think a lot of the credit has to go to Verhoeven. Like, he knows yeah, exactly yeah. how to make this kind of movie. <laughs> On the train, as he's going to work, Quaid sees a commercial for Total Recall yeah. featuring Dr. Edgemar, played by the great Albert Brooks. You might know him as Marlin from Finding Nemo. I know him as Scorpio from Simpsons. Is Dr. Edgemar actually a doctor or is he an actor spokesperson who is just paid to be a, like a fictional doctor on their commercials? So we're going to talk about that. After we're done talking about the Matrix connections, I'd like to kind of put a nail in the coffin for the age old question of, yeah, yeah. was it all in his head or did Obviously. it really happen? The popcorn isn't real. <laughs> yes, I think you might know which version we're going to go with. But that question that you just asked is actually really important for answering what really happened in this movie. I think that Dr. Edgemar, it's impossible for him to show up later in the movie and be working with the agents. If he actually had anything to do with Total Recall, right? Like, <laughs> is Edgemar a rebel? Is he working with the agents? Is he an actor? Or is he maybe someone from outside of the Matrix prepping Quaid for the red pill? See, this is exactly how Trinity contacted Neo on his computer and started dropping hints to prepare him to exit the Matrix. Like just showing up on a screen in front of him and giving him cryptic messages, just like Dr. Edgemar does here, only to meet him later in real life to, to actually administer the pill. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little different than follow the white rabbit. Like it's very overt. It's Edgemont saying, go to recall, Quaid. Or the commercial. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> go to Mars. And then when he gets to recall, they're like, nah, you don't want to go to Mars. It was in your commercial, guys. That was the <laughs> yeah, thing that he said to do. Why are you like, nah, go to Saturn? <laughs> Probably it was an older commercial from like before the terrorist stuff started. And now they're like, let's downplay the Mars stuff. <laughs> yeah, know? I guess that could be. <laughs> But um, when Trinity starts writing to Neo, it was funny rewatching it because suddenly I remembered that this movie, weirdly enough, is like the quintessential hacker movie, <laughs> which has no hacking. Yeah. They establish him as like not just a computer programmer who works as a software engineer, but also as a hacker who's apparently developing his, his own malware and like zero days and selling them to random thugs. Yeah. And then he never touches a terminal ever again. <laughs> like, he never types a single character besides Control X. One. <laughs> well, if we're talking about the very beginning of The Matrix, so it starts out with that cool sequence of Trinity fighting the agents 
I love the opening scene. I love how she just desperately wants to get to a payphone. Like, we know <laughs> that she's got superpowers and she's like, I need a payphone. We're like, why does she need this payphone? And it's going to get Superman? run down by that dump truck. <laughs> what is going on? Like, it's such a good opening. It makes you wonder why are payphones so important? You know, my wife had never seen The Matrix when I showed it to her in 2016, she was just so confused. She's like, why do they need to get to a landline to get out of the Matrix? They have cell phones. They use them constantly. Why do they have to get to an actual landline to get out? And I was just like, yeah, it's weird. Back in like 1999, that made perfect sense. But it doesn't yeah. really anymore. No. It's funny. I was <laughs> like no one batted an eye. No one like... even questioned it. It was like, oh, yeah, landline. That makes sense. Get out of the Matrix with a landline. <laughs> Yeah, except technically, you know, any communication medium is as good as the next. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but back in the day, it was like, cell phones matter. are not for internet, but landlines are for internet. So <laughs> that's how you get out. <laughs> back to Total Recall. So he goes to Recall. There is a lady at the front desk who can tap her nails and change them to different colors. Dude, which is, it's so cool. I always thought I was really cool. And they that. reuse that it's in so The Fifth cool. Element. He's like, what about that guy you lobotomized? And the recall spokesperson is like, here, look at this helpful graph. <laughs> yep. tells him nothing. <laughs> just like a colorful line of recalls fatalities stayed steady, whereas other people, their fatalities have just gone yeah, up no, don't over go the years. Other guys. <laughs> <Where's> <laughs> like, why, why did the other guy's fatalities go up? <laughs> but also recalls fatalities didn't go down. No. There are no numbers on the graph either. <laughs> Throughout this scene... They drop hints at what's going to happen and kind of describe the entire story. Yeah. The salesman tells him that he's going to get the girl, kill the bad guys and save the entire planet, which is exactly yep. what he does. Exactly what happens. I love the shot of Arnold Schwarzenegger as he sits in the chair and just looks so happy and optimistic and innocent. <laughs> it makes me feel so bad for poor Quaid. Like, the dude just wanted a freaking vacation. <laughs> he didn't even want a vacation. He just wanted memories of a vacation. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> he's just got a really, really boring life and was really looking forward to his memories of Mars. And then they just go and freaking lobotomize him. Like, it's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> this <Yeah>. poor guy. <laughs> but so even within the universe of this movie, Recall is not in on it with the bad guys. No. So how could he know everything that was going to happen? Because like, even if you believe the story of this movie, the bad guy, sure, maybe he set everything up, but like Recall wouldn't know to tell him that, yeah, you're going to save the planet. I think that's the biggest evidence for the other theory of just, it's all in his what head. What Leif is arguing for is that everything is in his head. And basically he is living out the fantasy that they have implanted in his brain. And he's not a real secret agent, which I believe to be canon. I don't really see that there's any other way to interpret this movie. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just just to strengthen that, as they're about to, you know, put him under, the female lab technician hands the male lab technician a disc with the scenario that they're about to run. And he says, yeah. oh, that's a new one. Blue sky on Mars, which is literally the end of the movie. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they get a blue sky on Mars. That's the only thing he could be talking about. And the only way he could know that is if we're seeing their scenario. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you picked this up, but on the screen when he's picking his love interest, so they're like, you get to pick what she looks like. And he's going to pick a brunette. For some reason, it shows her body shape. He picks athletic. But on the side, there's a bunch of just like techno computer text. If you pause it and look, one of it reads file access, password. And then the password, all one word is 
Matrix Retrieve. What? Wow. <laughs> They're retrieving that data from the Matrix. I didn't notice that. It makes so much sense. I don't know how that fits into your theory, but... Uh... I'll tell you. The Total Recall people are not working with the agents. But in my theory, they are working with the Rebels. Edgemar is the Morpheus of this universe. They're essentially doing what Morpheus did, right? They're conditioning him to want to leave the Matrix... And then they're going to offer him a choice, which allows him to leave the Matrix. Yeah. So, yeah, he's having a schizoid embolism and he thinks he's an agent and they're coming for him. Yeah. So they scrub his memory and put him in a Johnny cab, which when I was a kid, Johnny cabs were like the most hilarious thing oh, ever. Man. I love Johnny I cabs. Just, I, so, like, yeah, I don't understand why this was so hilarious as a kid. No, why is this? Where am I? I don't get it. Where am I? You are in a Johnny Cab. For some reason, that was just hilarious. Yeah, that was he like answered a the guy's line. question. You're in a Johnny Cab. That's where you are. <laughs> it's really weird because every time I watch this movie, I subconsciously brace myself because like, I know this next scene's going to be like a laugh <laughs> riot. And then it happens and I'm like, well, that wasn't quite as good as I remember. No, and as a kid, <laughs> as far as Isaac was concerned, this was like Johnny Cab the movie. I thought the Johnny Cabs were a mm-hmm. lot more important yeah. than they are. <laughs> so he goes home. And Lori kind of tries to talk him out of it. She tries to convince him that he's delusional. It's all in his mind, all this stuff, as the agents come for him and, you know, continually try to abduct him. The same thing basically happens to Neo, who then goes to work and is rightfully chewed out because he comes in super late after partying all night. (laughs) So, yeah, Morpheus calls him and guides him out of his office without getting caught by the agents until he's like, yeah, just, just climb around on the outside of the skyscraper, Neo. Yeah. He'll be safe. Like, it's fine. And very, very intelligently, Neo decides Neo's not like, to no do that. like, no freaking way, <laughs> and goes back in. He gets abducted and taken in by the agents, and they interrogate him. Agent Smith is interrogating him, and he says, Your life is lived in computers, where you go by the hacker alias Neo and are guilty of virtually every computer crime that we have a law for. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa. Neo, what have I you mean... been doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess they had a lot less computer Maybe, crimes yeah, there were less in law laws. back in the 90s, but still. Uh, <laughs> geez, that's quite the intro that, uh, that Smith has bestowed upon him. But then he one-ups him and is like, Morpheus is believed by many to be the most dangerous man alive. <laughs> like, oh, Morpheus. What does he even do in the real world? <laughs> well, no, this makes sense from the agent's perspective because all they want to do is protect humans. They protect them by keeping them in the Matrix. Morpheus wants to take them out of the Matrix where things are dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most dangerous thing anyone could do. He's the most That's dangerous true. man alive. That's true. <laughs> They're safe in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> It's at this point that Agent Smith drops probably like one of the greatest threats ever delivered in any movie (laughs) when uh, Neo's like, I need my phone call. Give me my phone call. I need my rights. (laughs) Agent Smith is like, tell me, Mr. Anderson, what good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, whoa. Whoa. Like, even without Neo's face melting and his mouth being unable to work, which is what happens. Even without that, that's an incredible threat. (laughs) The next thing they do before letting Neo go is they put this giant robot spider into his belly button (laughs) because they're bugging him. (laughs) (laughs) So this is important because Because the very next thing we find out about Total Recall, he gets a phone call right after he escapes the agents. It is from one of his friends, supposedly, 
who tells him that he's been bugged, just like Neo got bugged. And he says, you yeah. have to extract the bug, just like Neo had to get his bug extracted by Trinity. Yeah. Some random guy leaves a suitcase for him and tells him that he's got to go get rid of the bug in his nose. And then some old lady tries to take the suitcase. Yeah, I know. She's like, it's she, mine. <laughs> mine. She doesn't suitcase. look like a homeless bag lady or anything. She looks like a, like a well-dressed... She's an opportunist, like, dude. She's like, oh, hey, I say, free suitcase. <laughs> a briefcase? Well, she's fighting with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're an old lady. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to win here. <laughs> it's true. She really holds her ground, though. Like, I think most people... If this giant I would back German off. Olympian approached you and was <laughs> like, I'd be like, whoa, especially me. when I know it is <laughs> not my go. suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she was going through her own weird movie. Someone else had told her, hey, I left a suitcase for you by a payphone. Uh -oh, so she just lost her total recall mission dream. <laughs> she didn't yeah. get the suitcase. Little did we know it was actually an MMO. Like he's competing with other players. Or, he's yeah, just so ARG. good. We never even noticed. <laughs> When he's going to remove the bug from his nose, he takes a Johnny cab and it's not driving fast enough. So he rips the Johnny cab guy out of it and drives it himself. Mm -hmm. And then when he doesn't pay, I got to ask you, do Johnny cabs intentionally try yeah, to murder they you kill when people you don't, who pay? don't pay? <laughs> That's their job. Like when he doesn't pay, it, As a, <laughs> it goes crazy and tries to run him over and then explodes. As a kid, I wasn't 100% sure. I was like, maybe it was because he ripped him out and the car was just going to malfunction and explode anyway because he broke it. I mean, if you want a definitive answer of this, you just have to remember who directed this movie. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven, <laughs> right? Like it is clearly an unbelievably over the top critique <laughs> of like, you know, corporate capitalism and how money is worth everything. And if you don't pay, the cab you will die. murder you. <laughs> <laughs> so that bug getting out of scene, probably the most memorable scene of Total Recall, right? That's the scene everyone remembers. I mean, dude, it's really good. The fully the moving there is he animatronic out of Arnold Schwarzenegger lifelike head. <laughs> it's like and that that thing's huge coming out of his nostril. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Like this his really fake good. teeth and his fake tongue. Like you can tell they're not real when it's a prosthetic head. Dude, but it makes like, it even more horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's like so scary. <laughs> I love it. Oh. And then the next scene after the bug scene is the two weeks scene. Oh my gosh, dude. That is my favorite part in the entire movie. I said the bug scene is the most memorable scene, but actually the two weeks scene is the most memorable scene in the whole movie. We talked about how funny it was when he says you are in a Johnny cab. Oh. That line paled in comparison to nothing two was weeks. funnier than two weeks <laughs> which he didn't to ask skill he said do you have any fruits funny. or vegetables <laughs> you're like two weeks <laughs> two weeks two weeks it's so good dude this scene poor is, is lady actor who just has to like kid. move her lips around while backing up that is one gigantic woman right they managed to find a very good huge actor who's great <laughs> she's huge she's the she's size of arnold schwarzenegger, schwarzenegger. and she's so good at acting like she can't stop saying two weeks and desperately wants to stop <laughs> <laughs> Watching it again, I just can't believe that that's practical effects when the thing mm -hmm. unfolds. It is. I paused it and watched it frame by frame. That is yeah, totally too. practical effects. And, it's and so the good. Arnold head underneath is also a practical effect. It's not even Arnold's head. <laughs> it's There's like so freaky many looking. Arnold heads in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Agent Richter, who is chasing down Quaid this whole movie, you believe he is Quaid's version of Agent Smith? Yeah, pretty much. 
I got to say that in whatever time period Quaid is in, the agents are a lot better at having conversations with each other than they are in Neo's time. Yeah. I just love every time the agents in The Matrix have conversations with each other. The way they speak is just amazing. It's really good. I love I like the agents. I like everything about them. I think they're cool. It's around this time Agent Richter goes to talk to the big bad boss guy. Do you know his name? Cohagen. It's like Copenhagen without the pen. <laughs> Cohagen. So Agent Richter goes to talk to Copenhagen. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I got you. <laughs> Agent Richter goes to talk to Cohagen and Cohagen threatens him saying that if he doesn't catch Quaid, he says, because otherwise I'll erase your ass. <laughs> I mean, wow. is that because he's, he's a program? He is a program. <laughs> Dude. So on Mars, he goes to the hotel and checks in. And the guy's like, oh, it seems like last time you were here, you left something in our possession. And they remove it. And it's like safely locked in this safe that needs to be verified with both of their fingerprints. And then he opens it up and unfolds it. And it's this <laughs> sleazy poster from like a crappy strip joint. And on the back, he has written in his own handwriting for a good time. See Melina. So Melina. And also he's like not but embarrassed. He, he verifies at all about that this. it's his own handwriting who wrote for a good time. Call Melina by writing her name again right in front of the, yeah. the clerk who watches him do it and it's like what kind of a sleazy weirdo are you (laughs) right after that he goes to see a bunch of psychics exactly like neo went to see a bunch of psychics except neo did it after he got extracted from the matrix not before yeah i mean i think interesting that in both versions it's the like the rebels you know who are working with the psychics yeah so we're coming up to the all important scene the most important theory where quaid in Total Recall, is presented with a choice. Not only a choice, he's presented with a red pill. Yep. There's many iconic things about The Matrix, but I think the most iconic thing in the entire movie is when Neo is presented with the red pill and the blue pill. People use that phrase a lot, especially these days. (laughs) Even though Lana Wachowski hates it. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's like literally the opposite of what she (laughs) means the phrase to stand for. But anyway. (laughs) So I'm just going to compare these two scenes. Both Quaid and Neo are confronted by an authoritative figure who presents them with a choice and basically tells them that they're living a delusion and that they now yeah. have the opportunity to leave the delusion by taking a pill. For Quaid, it is Dr. Edgemar, who seems to work for the Total Recall Corporation. Yeah. For Quaid, it's a bald, white, fat doctor. For yes. Neo, it's like <laughs> Osmond Lawrence Fishburne with sunglasses yeah. and a Most black dangerous leather coat. man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the conversations that they have are eerily similar. Edgemar basically starts out by saying, this is going to be very difficult for you to accept, Mr. Quaid. You're not really standing here right now. You're not here and neither am I. And then he tells him what you're experiencing is a freeform memory delusion. A schizoid embolism. Okay, we can talk about schizoid embolism. I think this is actually proof for the other theory that uh, it was all yeah, in his head. It, the schizoid <laughs> um, embolism is definitely proof for that theory. But yeah, he tells him you've suffered a schizoid embolism, which was the exact same thing that the female lab mm-hmm. technician said at the very beginning. Although that part would have to be part of his, yes, of would. Quaid's <laughs> dream. So <laughs> It would have to be. Oh, no, it, it makes sense because that's what he heard as he was going under. He that's heard them true. yelling. Yeah. He's schizoid in a schizoid embolism. embolism. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. He says, uh, yeah, you know, all of this is a dream. 
It's all going exactly like they told you it would. Quaid's like, bullshit. And he says, what's bullshit, Mr. Quaid? That you're having a paranoid episode triggered by acute neurochemical trauma or that you're really an invincible secret <laughs> agent from I Mars part. <laughs> who's the victim of an interplanetary conspiracy to make him think he's a lowly construction worker, <laughs> which is just love the greatest that. way anyone just could possibly out how sum it up. stupid this hero <laughs> fantasy the dumbest is. Dumbest plot ever. <laughs> Anyway, the next line is the most important line to me where he says, I'm going to save you, but you've got to want to return to reality. And this is the exact same thing they keep saying throughout the entire Matrix trilogy is that you've got to want to return to reality. And at this point that he holds out a red pill and says, swallow this. It's a symbol of your desire to return to reality. Right. Yeah. In this scene, this is clearly the rebels trying to extract Quaid from the Matrix, just like Morpheus tried to extract Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. It's revealed in the second movie that the whole prophecy is BS and that the Matrix is actually cyclical. And every time a cycle ends, a new The One appears and he resets the Matrix. Mr. Smith even talks a little bit about that cycle in the first movie. He does. So yeah, I think that they are in a different cycle of the Matrix than Neo and Trinity and Morpheus were. I think this is probably an earlier cycle. But we know that in each cycle, all these things happen. There's still rebels, they still live in Zion, and they still try and extract people from the Matrix, just like they do in the Matrix that we see. Yeah, These rebels are trying a similar but slightly modified tactic. Just like Morpheus, they don't quite tell him the whole story before red-pilling him, just that there's another reality and that he needs to want to leave the delusion and enter reality and that he needs to take the red pill. All of that is totally 100% consistent with Morpheus's tactics. Yeah, the difference is that they don't have a blue pill, which you could argue that the blue pill is completely unnecessary anyway. And right. that's why it's poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have a blue pill and they are actively working to make Quaid believe this is a delusion. Whereas Morpheus kind of just was like, yep, it's the Matrix. If you believe it or not, that's up to you, right? So I think, and this is actually supported in the movie, Morpheus says that they don't usually extract older people from the Matrix. They usually only extract younger people because older people have trouble accepting the Matrix and they usually die after getting extracted. What I think they're doing is they know he's older and they know that he's going to reject all of this. So they're trying to reinforce the idea that he's in a delusion and kind of ease him out of the matrix by painting this picture of the delusion and the total recall fake memories that he's been given. I think that they think he'll have less trouble accepting that rather than just jumping out of the matrix headfirst like they do with Neo. Maybe that's why Morpheus changes his tactics because he's like, yeah, because I was going to (laughs) say this tactic doesn't work and he murders Edgemar, which would kill, you know, basically their Morpheus. And then he kills Laurie, who is their Trinity. (laughs) Um, And then I think basically the rebels cut their losses here and leave. It does make sense, too, in, in this interpretation that they are in the Matrix in Total Recall, that Edgemar would be sweating because if yeah, you die... because he'll die. Matrix, and he does. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, Quaid thinks he's all like, ah, oh, you're sweating, I figured it out, but you didn't figure out anything, man. Everything after this is just the Matrix <laughs> writing itself. Like, it's yeah. just the agents working to make everything make sense. <laughs> 
So I just wanted a quick random stupid thing. When he shoots his wife and says, consider that a divorce. Like, Dude, ice joke, cold, man. That oh joke isn't funny. It's not a funny joke. <laughs> it's such dark humor. You just, just murdered psychotic. your wife and mm-hmm. you called it a divorce. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's like we don't, let's not joke about murdering your spouse, okay? <laughs> and also, you don't remember Melina at all. You have actual memories of Lori, whether or not you believe she was always your wife or not. You still have memories of her being your wife. And yet he has no conflict whatsoever in that moment. He just kills her and then makes a dumb joke about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is symbolic of him accepting the Matrix, right? He accepted the delusion. Yeah. Reality. Reality sucks. I'm going to stay here. Divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So when Morpheus presents the red pill and the blue pill to Neo, he says, this is your last chance. There's no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole is. From my point of view, pretty much everything else that happens in Total Recall is inconsequential of this theory because now he has embraced the Matrix and the rest of the movie is just the agents kind of making sure that everything Mm -hmm. makes sense to him. So that's pretty much it for the theory as far as I'm concerned. Okay. If you want, I would love to talk about the other theory, which, you know, I'd call the blue skies theory, which is, you know, how did this movie actually end? Like, what, yeah. what really happened here? We, we are done with the Matrix, with the shared universe total recall Matrix theory. Now we're moving on to the other popular theory, which is, was he in a dream or was it all real? From the red pill scene, it ends with what I think is the definitive proof that it is all in his head. So Edgemar... Right after he tells Quaid to take the red pill, Quaid then puts a gun to his head and says, I could pull the trigger and it won't matter. And Edgemar says, it won't make the slightest difference to me, Doug. The consequences to you, however, would be devastating. In your mind, I'll be dead. With no one to guide you out, you'll be stuck in permanent psychosis. And then he describes every single event for the rest of the movie (laughs) down line by line. He says, the walls of reality will come crashing down. What happens right after he gets shot? The wall literally crashes down. <laughs> it it yeah, actually happens. <laughs> then he says, one minute you'll be the savior of the rebel cause. Literally, that's the next thing that happened. Yep. They go to the rebel mm-hmm. cause and he's the savior. And next thing you know, you'll be Kohagen's bosom buddy, which is what happens. He then goes <laughs> yep. to Kohagen's lair and finds out he's his best friend. You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations as you requested. Which Pretty is the last thing, thing that like gets in thrown movie. in there. Yep. Yeah, weird thing for him to say, right? Except it's literally what happens in the movie. This is just like, that's the thing. There's no reason for him to say that, except that this is yeah. the writer and director telling us <laughs> that the whole movie's in his head. I agree with you. The only in-universe explanation for this, if you believe that like it's not a dream and he actually was a secret agent who goes to Mars, the only in-universe explanation is that there are psychics and perhaps Edgemar is psychic and that's how he knows what's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's one explanation. It could also be that he's working with the agents, ergo, he knows Quaid's entire backstory. He knows that Quaid is Kohagen's best friend and that they've been planting him as the savior to the rebels. But still, there's no way he would know word for word how this is going to play out. It right. doesn't make any sense. And he definitely wouldn't know that because he's not an agent. He works for Total Recall. Yeah, that part is what makes no sense. Like, 
He's either a doctor who works for Recall or an, or an actor, actor who, works, who works in their commercials. Regardless, he wouldn't want to go into a dangerous situation like this for these random agents who aren't working with Recall. Pretty much. So from here, there's kind of two paths. If we know this is a delusion, then either the whole movie was his vacation. And after the movie ended, he woke up and went back to a normal life with all those fun memories, just like he paid for. Or he was actually having a schizoid embolism and he murdered his doctor and got stuck in his delusion forever. And it's a sad, tragic story of this poor guy who just really, really wanted a cheap vacation and <laughs> instead got his brain liquefied. <laughs> the latter of is obviously two, what happened. I think the second one is what happened. Poor Quaid. <laughs> he didn't even want a vacation. He just wanted some memories. <laughs> This dude just really loved Mars. <laughs> I know. He's like, terrorists on Mars? Hey, babe, let's go. <laughs> I love that he was just Ooh. sitting watching the morning news and all he was hearing was Mars, Mars, <laughs> Mars. Hey, let's go to Mars. It's just his brain <laughs> no, completely mean, edited out all I'm the sure, bad stuff. <laughs> I'm sure as his wife talked to him, he heard Mars, 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 Mars. <laughs> so I was like, you're right. Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Quaid. But yeah, that's that's about all I have for Total Recall. I have a few other things to say about The Matrix. Morpheus outright says an Alice in Wonderland reference, and they're pretty yeah. overt with all their Alice references. Follow the white rabbit. He goes through the looking glass, show you how deep the rabbit hole goes, etc. And of course, this is a fun reference because Alice in Wonderland is kind of a dream thing. And this is all like, Neo, you might be dreaming. Wake up into the real world. But what most people don't know is there are a lot of references to another famous fantasy story similar to Alice in Wonderland called Little Nemo in Slumberland. Wow. Oh, by Win <laughs> by oh Windsor gosh. McKay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Nemo? Neo? <laughs> you remove the M from Nemo and you get Neo. And oh that... my gosh. Wait a minute. No, no, no. I can't believe that there's anything <laughs> well... having to do with these two movies unless you can prove to me that Morpheus appeared in the cartoon classic Little Nemo, oh. which you cannot well, do. I, I, well, I'm, I'm talking more about the comics, the old Windsor McKay comics. But yeah, in the old Windsor McKay comics, he's going to Slumberland and most of the time he's trying to get to King Morpheus and his daughter. What? The name is even spelled the same. King Morpheus. King Morpheus? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Now, if there's some sort of trinity... <laughs> Well, I think Trinity might be the 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 princess, the princess, yeah. who, who's clearly Morpheus is clearly setting Nemo up with. In Little Nemo in Slumberland, he is always paired up with like kind of a fast talking, rough clown named Flip. He's got kind of one of those voices like, oh, a wise guy eh? kind of thing. You know, like he talks like he's from the 1930s because he was. Did anyone ever <laughs> tell you you're kind of cute? Oh, and also Flip always smokes a cigar. Is there any character in this movie who smokes a cigar? I don't even see the screen anymore. All I see is <laughs> blondes, brunettes, redheads. <laughs> exactly. So Neo in this movie has kind of a fast talking guy who talks like he's from sort of, I don't know, New York, 1930s. I don't yeah. know. Uh, who His name is not Flip. It's Cypher. But he does smoke a cigar in one scene. And, and he does flip on them. Yeah. <laughs> at the end. He flips on them. <laughs> he totally flips to the other team. Yeah. Well, while I was watching these movies, man, I don't even see the Matrix anymore. I just see <laughs> theory, evidence, proof. <laughs> Whoa, dude. That's what we always see when we're watching you. movies now. 
I know. <laughs> I mean, we're just like Cypher. We've become jaded by the Matrix. I know. We just want to go back. We, we just want up. the popcorn to be real again. Yeah. I know that the popcorn isn't real. I know that when I eat it, it's just the writers telling me that it's real. <laughs> but, boy. <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. That's it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. I could easily make that gif. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Let's do it. We'll tweet it. <laughs> what do you think of the theory that... The Matrix and Total Recall are in a shared universe and that Quaid from Total Recall was in the Matrix all along. I think it's a fun theory and it's a great excuse to watch two really fun movies. Yeah, it's a fun theory. I think it obviously could just be explained with the Bukowskis were really big fans of Total Recall. And so they included a lot of the same (laughs) plot elements. (laughs) Yeah, but I like it. I think it's good. Yeah, it's fun. Poor Quaid didn't didn't get out of the Matrix. <laughs> well, I mean, poor Quaid. What do you think of the theory that uh, it was all a delusion yeah. and that Total Recall yeah. was uh, just the tragedy of Quaid getting his mind liquefied? Yeah. Obviously, it's I canon, believe that. As far as that, I'm concerned, yeah, there's no other explanation for me. Obviously, it was all just a dream. But a cool ending, though. Like even as a kid, I was like, "Whoa!" Like it could have. Maybe it didn't happen. That's like crazy. I uh, I like the movies, though. I think uh, give them a watch. Uh, have our theories in mind and let us know if you disagree with us. If you think yeah. that it's just impossible that The Matrix and Total Recall could ever be in a shared universe. Tell us, you know, let us have it on Twitter. Uh, find us at, at Popcorn Isn't Real. We check it all the time. We'll, we'll talk to you. We're always ready to chat about movies and fan theories. Um, other than that, if you like this episode, give us a follow. Tell your friends. The world needs to know. These are important fan theories. Of course. They change the movies. You know, the popcorn isn't real. Like, dude, these people are eating unreal popcorn. We got to stop that. Ignorance is not bliss. No. <laughs> this is, we are we are Morpheus. We are waking up the, the people. Yeah. We are saving humanity. We just here. have one pill and it's actually popcorn. So take the popcorn pill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Morpheus said. All we're offering is the truth. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, maybe a hard <laughs> to swallow. But. <laughs> Music for this episode was provided by Christine. And our next episode is going to be a special Christmas episode. Uh, we're going to look yeah, at Home Alone, dude. Planes, Home Alone. Trains, and Automobiles, and uh, maybe a couple other movies, too. Every John Candy movie ever made. That's <laughs> what we're looking at. <laughs> we're looking at some John Candy films, and it's going to be a great Christmas episode. So we will see you then. And remember... The popcorn popcorn isn't isn't real. real.